all you have. You are now tuned in to Parker Swayze. So just sat back and ready to play. Let me take your thoughts far, far away. Now let's hear what Darth Vader has to say. We would be honored if you would join us. What's up, Star Wars nerds? How's everyone doing this Memorial Day? I hope everyone is having a great weekend. Nothing new on my side of the galaxy, same old stuff, work, family, life. I gotta say though, I'm super excited about this next giveaway. A trip to Galaxy's Edge in Florida, now that's a giveaway. Real quick, I would like to say thanks to Will Novak for giving us the trip to give away. Will, you're amazing. If you don't know about the giveaway, go back to season two, mid-series role, and it explains it in that episode. But real quick, I have a recommendation for everyone. You need to watch Disney's gallery, Star Wars The Mandalorian. It is an eight episode documentary series that pulls back the curtain on The Mandalorian. Each chapter explores something different like directing, acting, and all kind of cool stuff. And they do it through interviews, behind the scenes footage, and round table conversation. I've watched the first four episodes that they have came out with and they are amazing. The information that they give is incredible. If you are a content creator, this is a must see and I highly recommend it. You can watch it over on Disney Plus. New episodes air on Friday night and you gotta watch it, it's, it's amazing. But I think it's about time that we get back to this book because this book is getting so good. The way that Drew blends the two stories into one is flawless and it just draws you in even more. I don't know about you, but I can't wait to hear the next chapter. So what are we waiting for? Let's get to it. Bastilla tucked her son into bed and leaned down to kiss him on the cheek. At the door of his room, she turned and looked back at him, marveling at how much the three-year-old boy already looked like his father. He had the same dark, shoulder-length hair and the thin, angular face. His eyes were closed now, but she knew they were dark and brooding, just like Revan's. And though he was already drifting off to sleep, his expression was still unusually serious and intense for a child his age. She sighed and turned away. Bastila often worried about the effect her son's turbulent childhood would have on him. Growing up without a father was difficult enough, but the first few years of his life had been scarred by war and terror. After Malak had been defeated, Bastila, like most other citizens of the Republic, had hoped to enjoy many decades of peace. Instead, a group of rogue Jedi had broken away from the Order, plunging the galaxy once more into civil war. Led by a woman named Kriya, the rogue Jedi turned to the dark side teachings uncovered by Malak and Revan. Kriya took the name Darth Treya, and her followers called themselves the Sith after the long-lost species that had invaded the Republic a millennium before. They began a systemic purge of the galaxy, hunting down those who still held fast to the Jedi Code, killing them by the tens of thousands. Their relentless pursuit virtually wiped out the Order, and only those few who managed to flee or hide survived. Had Revan returned to face this new threat, Bastila would have eagerly fought by his side. Together they might have been able to quell the uprising, ending it before the horrors of war enveloped the Republic, and millions lost their lives. But she had heard nothing of her husband since he had set off with Candorus four years earlier. Alone, she dared not challenge Darth Treya and her followers. Instead, she'd focused on keeping her son alive. It had been the exile, Mitra Surik, who had taken up the fight against the rogue Jedi. Three years after Revan's unsuccessful attempt to locate her, she had emerged on her own to oppose and eventually defeat Darth Treya. Like Revan before her, she became the savior of the galaxy. And also, as with Revan, there were many who felt her recent actions could not atone for the sins of her past. 
And now this woman, hero to some, villain to so many others, was sitting in the living room of Bastila's apartment, patiently waiting for her to finish putting her son to bed. He's asleep, Bastila said as she returned, speaking softly. He's beautiful, Mitra answered, adding, He looks like his father. Bastila nodded at the compliment. She wasn't sure what to make of the woman before her. Mitra had short brown hair, pale white skin, and piercing blue eyes. She was taller than Bastila, and almost a decade older, though she would still be considered beautiful by any empirical measure. She possessed a presence and confidence, along with an enviable natural grace. She was clad in the simple robes of a Jedi master, but somehow she managed to make even the drab brown cloth seem stylish. Foolish as it was, Bastila couldn't help but feel some hint of jealousy. Mitra had known Revan long before Bastila. She had answered his call to go to war against the Mandalorians, and in doing so, she became one of his most trusted advisors and closest friends. Bastila knew they had shared a special bond, not unlike that of Padawan and Master. Worst of all, Mitra was an integral part of Revan's lost past, a past he had felt compelled to go in search of, even though it meant leaving his pregnant wife behind. There is no emotion. There is peace, she thought. The familiar words of the Jedi mantra were easy to recite, but much more difficult to follow. You said we needed to speak, Bastila said. I wasn't sure if we should come, Mitra admitted. I understand this might be difficult for you, but T3 insisted. She reached out and patted the little astromech accompanying her on the head. The last time Bastila had seen T3M4, he had been boarding the Ebon Hawk with Revan and Candorus. Her husband was still missing, but the droid had returned. Clearly he had latched on to Mitra, following at her heel as he had once followed Revan. One more small detail to feed Bastila's irrational jealousy. As much as I tried, I couldn't get him to tell me anything, Mitra added. Bastila smiled faintly. I gave him special instructions the night before he left with Revan. I told T3 that if they ever became separated, he had to come find me. I programmed him so he wouldn't tell anyone else what had happened until I heard it first. Mitra nodded. A wise move. We've both experienced enough betrayal to understand you never know whom to trust. I never imagined I'd be in hiding when he returned, Bastila continued. I'm sorry about that, T3. If I'd known you were back, I would have tried to contact you. The droid beeped in acceptance of her apology. Fortunately, he found me, Mitra said. I guess he thought I was the next best thing, given my history with Revan. Bastila bit her lip to keep from saying anything. She knew her feelings of resentment were neither justified nor fair, but even her Jedi training couldn't quell her emotions. Or maybe he just knew I'd need his help, Mitra added quickly, perhaps aware she had in some way offended her host. The little guy does have a knack for joining up with galactic saviors, Bastila remarked, trying to keep her voice neutral. The droid beeped again in agitation. I'm sorry, Bastila said again. You're right. You've been very patient so far. I'm just not sure I'm ready to hear what you have to tell me. She often wondered if Revan was still alive. 
She'd always imagined their love would let her sense him through the Force, even across the breadth of an entire galaxy. Once he left, she learned that wasn't true. Some night she would dream of him, but she was never sure if these were true visions or merely manifestations of the loneliness she'd felt since he'd gone. Still, she believed she would have sensed a disturbance in the Force if he had died. Clinging to that gave her hope. Now, however, her belief might be exposed as a mere illusion if T3 told her that Revan was dead. She wanted to hear the truth, of course, but she was determined to hang on to the fantasy for just a few seconds longer. Take your time, Mitra said. I know this is difficult. T3's waited three years for this. He can wait a little while longer. Her words were meant as comfort, but they had the opposite effect. Now this chapter starts off with Bastila, Revan's wife, looking upon her son, realizing how much he reminds her of her husband. Then she thinks about how the war might have affected his childhood. Okay, the Republic just seems to always be in war. It's described as a group of rogue Jedi started to follow the dark side and almost wiped the Jedi out. The only survivors were those who ran and hid. Remind you of something? Why does it always seem like the Jedis are running and hiding like weaklings? But this is where Mitra Sirk, known as the Exile, comes back into the picture. She has turned back on the Force and saves the Republic, defeating Darth Treya and bringing balance back to the Force and peace back to the Republic. And is still treated bad because of her past. You want to know what I think? If it were me, I wouldn't help the Republic at all. Revan saves the Republic and gets treated bad. Demetra saves the Republic and gets treated like garbage. I think the Republic needs an attitude adjustment. But Mitra and Bastila are talking in Bastila's house. Mitra has brought T3 to her so she can find out what happened to Revan. Is he still alive or has he perished? As they talk, you can tell that Bastila is a little bit jealous of Mitra. She knows that Revan and Mitra's relationship is more like a Padawan and a master, but she can't help the jealousy. She tries to talk to Mitra without contempt in her voice, but she's having a lot of trouble doing it. T3 is getting very impatient about telling Bastila what's going to happen, and that's where the author leaves us. So, let's get back to it. Maybe this would be easier if T3 and I spoke in private, Bastila said. It was clear the request had caught Mitra off guard, but she quickly regained her composure. I understand you want to be cautious, she said sympathetically, but Kander has told me all about Revan and his search for the storm-covered world. Bastila grimaced. She'd heard rumors that a Mandalorian had aided the exile in her battle against Arthrea. Is it true? Bastila asked. Is Kandoris the new Mandalore? Mitra nodded. Revan helped him find Mandalore's mask before continuing on alone. What else do you know that I don't? Bastila asked, trying to keep the bitterness out of her voice. I would never intentionally keep any knowledge of Revan from you, Mitra assured her earnestly. You're his wife. You have more right to the truth than anyone. Bastila swallowed hard, suddenly ashamed. You have the same right, she said. You stood by Revan's side at the beginning. He had no truer friend. Whatever T3 has to say, we should hear it together. Mitra nodded her appreciation, but didn't speak. Taking a deep breath, Bastila sat down on the living room chair, facing her guests. She folded her hands in her lap, mentally bracing herself for what was to come. <sighs> I'm ready, she said. In a series of beeps, chimes, and hollow recordings, T3 relayed his story. He began with Revan returning to the Ebon Hawk on Rekiat. 
He told them how he and Revan had left Candorus behind and journeyed to Nathema alone. He described the unexpected attack on the Ebon Hawk and the near-fatal crash landing on Nathema's surface. He explained how he had checked on the unconscious Revan to make sure he was still alive, then been forced to hide when someone else boarded the ship. When he played the hollow recording he'd made of the red-skinned man who had taken Revan off the ship, Bastila gasped. I guess the Sith aren't as extinct as the Jedi thought, Mitra said. The order is wrong again, Bastila muttered. Big surprise. T3 let out a low whistle, apologizing for his cowardice, but Bastila shook her head. That wasn't cowardice, she told the little droid. If you hadn't hit, they'd have captured you, too, or turned you into scrap. The only way you could help Revan was by making it back in one piece, Mitra added. Mollified, T3 continued his story. He told them how Revan was taken onto a waiting shuttle and whisked away. With his master gone, returning to Bastila had become the Astromech's primary purpose, as per her last-minute instructions before they'd left Coruscant. The first step involved getting the Ebon Hawk airborne again. The droid described in detail his arduous efforts to repair the damage done by the crash. For months, he scoured the streets of the deserted city, gathering scrap, salvage, and other necessary parts. And you never saw anyone during that time? Mitra asked. No refugees? No looters? T3 chirped out a confirmation. Bastila blinked in surprise. No animals? No insects? Not even plants? How could the entire population of an entire world just be wiped out? Mitra shifted uncomfortably in her seat, and Bastila knew she was thinking back to her role in the massacre of Malachor V. She felt a sudden burst of empathy for the other woman. Bastila didn't condone what she had done, but she understood what it was like to be ashamed of acts in your past. She herself had let Malak turn her to the dark side. Only the power of Revan's love had redeemed her. Bastila sensed that despite all Mitra had done to stop Darth Treya, she was haunted by guilt and remorse. She was still looking for redemption. Unaware of the awkward tension in the room, the droid continued his tale. After nearly a year, he was finally able to get the Ebon Hawk airborne again, though its hyperdrive core was only operating at minimal efficiency. The Hawk limped back to Republic space. By the time it arrived, Treya and her followers had all but wiped out the Jedi. Bastila was gone. T3 didn't know where to search for her, or whether she was even alive. It was during this time that the little astromech droid stumbled across the disassembled pieces of HK-47, abandoned on a remote and nameless world. Recognizing his old companion, the little droid gathered up the pieces and stored them on the Ebon Hawk. The chance encounter was the kind of coincidence that Bastila would have chalked up to the influence of the Force had T3 been an organic being. Do you have any idea how he got there? She asked. I always wondered what happened to him after he disappeared. Mitra shook her head, answering on behalf of the droid. His memory core was damaged. Even after I repaired him, he was unable to recall anything. Actually, she admitted, I'd hoped you might be able to tell me what had happened to him. Bastila shrugged. When he found out Riven had left, HK decided to go after him. But I refused to tell him where my husband had gone. A wise move, Mitra said. 
The last thing Revan needed while helping Candorus and the Mandalorians was a homicidal droid following him around. HK stormed off, swearing he would track Revan down on his own, Bastila continued. That was the last I heard of him until he showed up again with you. There must be some part of his programming that compels him to seek Revan out, Mitra muttered. If I had known that, I would have been more careful. What do you mean? I left HK under the supervision of the new Jedi Council. I didn't think it was safe to have him roaming the galaxy, and I assumed he would be content to stay with the Jedi, awaiting further orders. But he disappeared soon after I left. Now I realize he's probably gone in search of Revan again. Suddenly worried, Bastila asked, Is there any chance he'll find him? She directed her question to T3. Did you tell him anything about what happened to Revan? T3 responded with a negative buzz that sounded almost offended. Clearly, the astromech felt the same reservations about involving the hunter-killer droid as his human counterparts. Relieved, Bastila muttered. Someone should try to track him down, find and disable him before he hurts anyone else. There was little conviction behind her words. As dangerous as HK was, he was only one droid. She had more important things on her mind. Her husband was still missing, and for the first time in years, she was on the verge of being able to do something about it. The Jedi are already searching for HK, Mitra assured her. Don't worry about him. Bastila nodded. T3, she said. Tell us the rest of your story. What happened next? The astromech continued his tale. After finding the disassembled bits of HK-47, he fell in with Mitra, joining her as he had joined Revan many years before. By the time he learned Bastila was alive, he was once again caught up in a battle for the Republic's survival. Despite his instructions, he knew he couldn't abandon Mitra until the safety of the Republic was secured. His confession caused Bastila to feel another surge of bitterness. T3 had chosen to help Mitra instead of following Bastila's instructions. He put the Exile's mission above his loyalty to Revan. The emotion passed quickly, replaced by guilt and shame. Bastila's love for Revan had once again momentarily blinded her to logic and reason. We love bringing you more Star Wars, and it is because of our partners that we can do this week after week. So we invite you to be one of those partners. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us keep this going. Your support will give us the ability to create future episodes, as well as provide you with the best sounding show on your playlist. And to express our appreciation, we will give you a shout out on our mid-series show that we do in the middle of every book. You will also be automatically entered in all future giveaways. All you have to do is go to the show notes and click that listener support link. Now let's get back to the show. Her husband was one man. It was foolish to value his life against the fate of millions. If Revan had been standing in the room, he would have congratulated the droid for putting the greater good above personal wants and desires. Revan would be proud of you, she told the little droid. I'm proud of you too. I think our path is clear, Matra declared. I will go to Nathema and see if I can learn Revan's fate. You? Bastila said, her voice showing more anger and surprise than she intended. What about me? You expect me to just sit here and wait, not even knowing if he's alive or dead? What has changed since Revan left? Mitra asked softly. You stayed behind to care for your son. Are you prepared to leave him behind now? Of course not! Bastila spat. 
She almost added, I'll bring him with me. But at the last second, she realized how reckless and ridiculous that would be. Revan had left because he believed there was something in the unknown regions that was a far greater threat than any the Republic had ever faced. Guided by his visions of a storm-covered world, he thought his journey was the only way to protect the future of his family. Following in his footsteps might expose their son to the very threat Revan was trying to stop. It would be a betrayal of the very principles that had sent him on his journey in the first place. And it would endanger their child. I'm sorry, Bastila whispered. I, I didn't mean to. I, I just... I miss him. I feel so helpless, so useless. All I do is wait. You don't understand how hard it's been. I can only imagine how you've suffered, Mitra replied gently. I wish I could say it will get easier, but I fear that may not be the case. We all have burdens to bear, and this is yours. Her words offered little comfort, but Bastila appreciated her honesty. I will do everything in my power to find Revan, Mitra promised. If he is still alive, I will do whatever it takes to bring him back to you. T3 beeped twice. I would be honored if you came, Mitra told him. As long as Bastila doesn't object. Bastila wanted T3 to stay with her. His hollow recordings and data banks were all she had left of her husband. But she was thinking rationally now. You're going to need his help, she said. He spent months exploring Nathema while searching for parts to repair the Hawk. Then we must leave as soon as possible, Mitra declared, rising to her feet. Please, wait just a moment longer, Bastila said. Leaving Mitra and T3 in the living room, she rushed into the bedchamber and opened the wooden chest tucked away in the back of her closet. She grabbed two items, then returned to her waiting guests. Give these to Revan, she said, placing the items in Mitra's hands. The first was a hollow recording she had made of their son's last birthday celebration. The second was a heavy object wrapped in a swath of black cloth. Mitra glanced at her, silently asking permission to unwrap it. Bastila answered with a subtle nod. Mitra unwound the cloth carefully, revealing a worn and scarred metal helmet with a red and gray faceplate. Revan's mask! Mitra gasped. I thought it was lost when he was captured by the Jedi strike team. I led that strike team. Bastila reminded her. I don't know why, but I took it when Revan fell. Perhaps even then I sensed our fates were intertwined, but I never told anyone. Not the Council, not even him. Why not? Bastila hesitated, then decided Mitra deserved to know the truth. Revan wore the mask during the Mandalorian Wars, and during his time as Darth Revan. To me... It symbolizes his dark past. A relic from a time before he became the man I loved. I was afraid that if I showed it to him, it might trigger something inside his mind. It might awaken some dormant evil, rekindle the spark of the dark side. Then why give it to me now? I tried to keep Revan's past at bay, but now I understand that was wrong. I was being selfish. His past is a part of him, whether I like it or not. 
She looked away from the mask. When you find him, give him the mask. It might mean nothing to him now, but there's a chance it will bring back some of what he has lost. Seeing it might restore crucial memories that will help you return safely. What if your fears are right? Mitra asked, her voice grim. The mask could bring back his memories, but what if it does more? What if it unleashes the power of the dark side in him? I don't care, Bastila said defiantly. Not if that power helps bring him back to me. As a Jedi, her words were blasphemy. She half expected Mitra to throw the mask to the ground in disgust. Instead, the other woman rewrapped it in the cloth and tucked it safely away beneath her robes without saying a word. Okay, so Bastila is having some trouble talking to Mitra. She requests to talk to T3 in private. Mitra tells Basila that she knows all about the storm cover planet. Candace had told her all about it. Basila asks, is there anything else that she might know about Revan? Mitra tells her that there is nothing about Revan that she would keep from her. Basila then asks if Candace was the new Mandalore. Mitra confirms that he is. And this is where T3 starts to tell them what had happened. The little droid explains how he and Revan had crashed on the theme, but Revan was still alive after they crashed. Then he was forced to hide when a red-skinned man came onto the ship and carried Revan away. But he got a recording of the man. After he plays the recording for the women, Basila and Mitra both know that this man is a Sith. Basila makes a statement about the Jedi being wrong again. They didn't wipe the Sith from the galaxy. It seems like they're wrong all the time. T3 spent the next year repairing the ship. Then he tells him about Nathema and how there was no life. This is when Mitra starts to feel like crap for what had happened on Malachor 5. And she should. She killed a whole planet. Then T3 explains how he started back to the Republic. But when he got back to the Republic, he finds that it is at war again. This is where he runs into Mitra. Thinking that Mitra might need his help, he decides to stay with her until she defeats Darth Traya. Now, if you look up Darth Traya on fandom, it goes into more detail than it does in this book. And I think it paints a whole different story. It tells that she gets kicked out of the new Sith group as well. I will put a link in the show notes if you want to find out more about Darth Traya there. Mitra tells Basila that she will go and find Revan and bring him back. Basila is like, no, I'm going to go find my own husband. Mitra reminds her that she needs to stay with her son. So Basila gives in and gives her a Datacron and Revan's mask. Mitra can't believe that she kept the mask. Basila states that she doesn't care if it turns Revan back to the dark side as long as he comes home. Mitra tucks it into her robe and leaves. And that's where we're left at. You'll have to tune into chapter 18 to find out what happens next. Thank you for listening to Sway. Join us next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can find us and subscribe on your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Sway was created by Keen Eye Shit and is a production of Pick Film Media. This show was produced by Quentin McDaniel, sound designed by Theodore Thompson, researched by Tammy Turner. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away.